Welcome to Podcast 19. Podcast 19. Didn't think it would happen, but it did. And there's a lot to talk about because some really cool stuff has happened this past week. And I think the big elephant in the room is what? The Emmys 2017, which was a night to remember with a lot of the political... It was very political. Everybody had an opinion and everybody won. They were not afraid to put their opinion out there. And yeah, there was quite quite the reaction um i don't think i've ever seen anything in a in a an award television show be so um out there in your face and dare i say disrespectful i mean like i i hold a lot of the same opinions but it just that's not i don't know if i think that's the place for personal opinions of our current state of affairs, which are pretty bad. But anyway, we'll, we'll get back into that a little bit later. The big winner of the night was Handmaid's Tale winning five Emmys and snagging the award for Outstanding Drama Series, the first streaming show to ever win. Now, ne- is- Netflix didn't win. Amazon didn't win that award. It was Hulu, little baby Hulu, who won that award first. So thumbs up. But Hulu's been really, really rising to the occasion because they've always been sort of left out into the in the dust as far as Netflix, like, I mean, Orange is the New Black, I don't have to tell you, that was a huge eye-opener. Um, so was uh, Transparent on Amazon. So this is Hulu. Hulu. It was Hulu's time, and they've really stepped it up. They have some great shows, by the way. Hands May Tell obviously won the Emmy Award, but there's also Harlots, there's Baskets, um, and which were some other nominations. So Hulu, Hulu was there. In full force on the uh, Emmy Awards, if you checked it out. Yeah. Yeah, but, you know, like we said, The Handmaid's Tale had stiff competition. It was up against House of Cards. Awesome show. Stranger Things, Westworld, and This Is Us. All powerhouse shows that that it seems like everyone watched and loved, but The Hands um, Made Tale took it and ran. Also did really well was Big Little Lies. If you guys have not seen that, that was a limited series. Um, Nicole Kidman took the award for best. She won. Yeah. Beating Susan Sarandon and um, Jessica Lange for Feud. Feud didn't win anything. And I thought oh. Feud was a couple. Yeah. And then all, also Alexander Skarsgård, he, he ran away with um, Best Featured Actor. So it was pretty cool. If you guys haven't checked out Big Little Lies, it is, it's pretty phenomenal. Reese Witherspoon, uh, Nicole Kidman, Zoe, uh, why can't I? Kravitz, Zoe Kravitz, and um, Alexander Skarsgård. It's a powerhouse cast, and it's a really great, great show. There's talk about whether or not they're going to bring it back for a second season and make it a regular thing. It's based on a book, so we'll see. I don't know. That's still just rumors, and that's out there. Julia Louis-Dreyfus won Best Actress in the Comedy for the sixth consecutive year for Veep, which won for Best Comedy for the third year in a row. That is an all-time record. All-time re- Six years in a row. So for the same role, winning Best Actress. That's pretty awesome. She's got six Emmys on her mantle right now that say the exact same thing. Well, she has more than that, but... I'm just saying, they, they say the exact same thing. And, yeah, no, she has quite a few Emmys. They have her name, and they have Veep on it. The only thing that changes is the year. It's pretty cool, and congratulations to Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who had a very political acceptance speech. Oh, uh, yes, I heard about that. Yeah, it was pretty 
It was pretty intense. Um, now, I do pose a question out there for everybody. Do you think there would have been so much diversity in the winners if Game of Thrones hadn't been excluded this year? I mean, Game of Thrones, funny, I mean, it's diversity in two ways. Diversity in, there's a, there's different shows winning. There wasn't one thing that swept everything the way Game of Thrones usually does. But then also diversity as in those smaller shows with a more diverse cast also won. Because there were quite a few firsts this year as yeah, far awesome. as diverse winners. So, And Game of Thrones is famously not diverse. So... I don't think there would have been, honestly. Yeah, well, we posed that question out there. You guys comment and, and tell us what you think. Um, just in case you didn't know, Game of Thrones was excluded this year because they didn't air episodes between June 1st and May 31st, and that's the eligibility. Um, also, to know, Black Mirror won Best TV Movie. Yeah, Black Mirror. And that's Everyone a really is... great show, and, I, and I, I think everybody is heavily anticipating the next season, which is going to come out soon i think the third season or the fourth season anyway it's one of those shows it was a a british tv show that went off the air and then netflix brought back if you guys haven't checked it out it's really kind of like a modern day twilight zone or night gallery it's really a lot of the the episodes deal with um technology and the weird circumstances and almost apocalyptic things that can that can come from technology the evolution of technology things that you know that we we take for granted today it, it's it's magnified in some of the episodes like for example one of the episodes which um your favorite actress she was nominated for for black mirror which Bryce, one Bryce Dallas. Bryce Dallas Howard, yes, I love that. Yeah. In her, in that episode of Black Mirror that she was actually nominated for, um, how many likes you get considers your rank in in life, and every and anytime you pass someone, you'll see what their their how many likes they have, and the more likes you have, the better. That that also stands for your credit. Like there's certain lines you can go into. There's certain the, the better life you have. Yeah, if you have more likes, and then but as something as like bumping into someone or cutting someone off, you can immediately like dislike, you can dislike them. And depending on your rank, if you're way up there, that could hurt you significantly. And everything is based on your likes. So that's a really cool episode. If you guys haven't checked it out, check out black mirror. It is a phenomenal show. All right. So, um, over the weekend I saw mother starring Jennifer Lawrence and, um, you know, I I watched the preview, and like the rest of America, I thought to myself, what is this movie about? But I specifically did not look at the reviews before I went. After the movie, I sat in the theater, dumbfounded by what I had just seen, and I looked up the reviews, and I have never seen so many one-star reviews in my life. <laughs> it was pretty bad, but... um. Honestly, I didn't like it. It was very pretentious. It tried so hard to be deep. And um, Jennifer Lawrence, one of the things that made me mad was Jennifer Lawrence was like, yeah, this is not a movie for everyone. Not everyone will understand it. And I just wanted to slap her and go, no, it's just not a good movie. 
It's not that you won't understand it. It's just not well made. It's not deep. But, I mean, I understand the allegory. I understand what they were trying to say. And, I mean, the film did cause some intense debates between me and my friends who went to see it. And we're still talking about it now. Like, well, what about this part? So I guess in a way it was successful, but, I mean, the execution was ridiculous. Michael, have you heard anything about this movie? No, actually, I, I, I remember watching the previews and thinking, what is this movie about? Um, it wasn't anything that's, like, on the immediate agenda for anyone to watch, especially in New York. People are still going to go see it for now for the second and third time. It is, like, killing it in the box office. Because it's amazing. I'll go see it again. Yeah, but, it was... um, spoiler alert. I'm going to give you the premise. Spoiler alert. Fast forward if you don't want to know what happens. All right, so Jennifer Lawrence... She is the Earth, slash Mary Magdalene. She is the home, quite literally, she's the house. She is the womb, again, quite literally, she has a baby. She is the muse and the safe space that allows her husband to create. Her husband is an artist, he's a poet. She has no ambitions for herself. Her whole existence is to nurture and help her husband. Her husband is God. Her husband is, I mean, it's very thinly veiled. In the credits, it's even capital H-I-M. That's his name. Her husband is God. He's a selfish creator who takes and takes everything his wife has to give, gives her nothing back in return. He lives for the adoration of his fans, read, worshipers. And even when their worship turns dark and deadly and insane, he still can't see them for what they are. He still refuses to get rid of them. I mean, okay, so they have a son, Jesus, very obviously Jesus, uh, complete with the father delivering him into the hands of his creation only for the worshipers to kill him and eat him. They eat the child, which takes the whole communion thing just a little far, you know. <laughs> this is my body. Yeah, they took it a little far. Um... Ed uh, this was, it, there were parts in the time where we just we were sitting there going what the hell are we watching but, so ed harris he's adam he's the first man and he's dying michelle pfeiffer is eve and she is a total bitch but i love michelle pfeiffer and um their two sons are obviously cain and abel because yes cain kills abel and um kills him in the living room um the entire film, the house is an extension. Like, Jennifer Lawrence is an extension of the house. And her and the house, they are disrespected, they are ignored, they are abused, and at one point, nearly killed. So it's kind of like an environmental message there. Like, oh, look at what we're doing to the earth. And, yeah... And one thing, one, listen, not to say that I didn't like it at all, there were aspects that I thought were very well done. For instance, it was filmed very beautifully. The visuals were stunning. Parts of it were interesting. Um, the acting was pretty good. And I liked the way that the director used nothing but tight shots. There was like maybe three shots that were not a close-up the entire movie. Extremely tight to give you a feeling of claustrophobia. It's It was very effective, because I was getting really annoyed. I was like, oh my god, can I not be in her nostrils? But anyway, so... At the end, 
the chaos was a bit crazy. There were SWAT teams coming and people being locked up in cages. And Kristen Wiig made a cameo and she was shooting people in the head. Yeah, yeah so um, at the end, Jennifer Lawrence gets too fed up with everything and she blows the house up, thereby ending the world. However, God can't die. And apparently he never learns because he just creates a new world. And so in the beginning of the movie, we see Jennifer Lawrence wake up. And at the end of the movie, we see God creating the world again. And a new woman wakes up in his bed in the exact same place we first saw Jennifer Lawrence. So it's like, oh, all of this has happened before. All of this will happen again. And it shows that God is selfish narcissistic never learns his lesson and is doomed to have us repeat this charade all over again it's it was just and i i wish i was kidding but that is the premise of the movie so go to the nearest theater and buy a ticket (laughs) (laughs) as interesting as that sounds you guys this might be uh you know like wait for it to come on netflix I mean, I, I don't know. I, I love movies. I love art, art house movies. I love all that. But I love it when it has a real story. This was not a real story. And it's not because it's so deep. It's because it's not a real story. Well, it sounds like, and I haven't seen the movie, so but just uh, listening to the synopsis and your, your take on it, it, it sounds like something that is a really interesting concept that took itself a little too seriously and elements of good storytelling I mean like yeah you you can have all of those images and those um, symbolism and allegory but it it needs to be subtle into something that is relatable if it becomes unrelatable then I mean uh, how's your audience supposed to feel you know yeah like when they ate her son yeah, like if if I get, they ate the baby, they ate him. Yeah, I get the juxtaposition. Like I totally, I totally see it, and I get it, and I think it's a really interesting idea. But once again, you know, um, good storytelling and acting is shared human experience, and that's why we go to see a story is for the shared human experience. And if we cannot share in this human experience, then you know we're just kind of looking at the screen. You know? Yeah, that's a very accurate description. We were looking at the screen going, what are we watching? Yeah. What is this? Speaking of good stories, I finally oh, really? watched La La Land for the first time. And if, um, if you have HBO Go, it's now streaming on HBO Go. I thought it was excellent. I could relate to it on a different level, especially since... Um, Emma, St- Emma, is her name? Emma Stone. Stone. Emma Stone. Emma Stone's character is a struggling actress and all that fun stuff. So, you know, like all those auditions and as shitty as the casting directors were, I mean, that that was that's pretty dead on. I mean, like, I've, I've had a couple of those auditions that are just like that. So I related to that on that level. I love the way that it was filmed. I thought the director, who's a very young director, did an amazing job. It was a throwback to old Hollywood. And it wasn't just musical, but also the old, um, they, they reference Casablanca a lot. 
And the ending of the movie actually has a very similar ending to Casablanca, which I, I really liked. Um, I, I, I love the colors, the imagery. I thought it was just really nicely modern, but also retro at the same time. It, lots of it had feelings of like singing in the rain or um, on the town, the big Hollywood musicals, Hello Dolly. Like it had a lot of that kind of feel to it. But then it also had the realness and the the smoky lens of Rebel Without a Cause, which is another movie that was um, referenced in the film. And they actually go to a lot of locations in La La Land. A lot of those locations that you guys see are from famous movies, like the Observatory. Um, that's made famous by Rebel with a Cause. They had the Casablanca where they, on the set where they were actually filming. They actually used the sound stages when they did Singing in the Rain to film the whole dream sequence when they see each other again years later after she's a famous actress and he opens up that jazz club. Um, they, they filmed actually in the sound stage. So it's, it's just, I don't know, I just thought it was really cool. I thought it was really... Um, it was an homage to old Hollywood, but very modern, very new. And it was, it's, it's interesting because you don't see movies filmed like that anymore. And, and to watch this mashup where all of a sudden everything is, you know, combined into one modern and a classic way of doing things, even the way that it was filmed, you know, the dance numbers. And there's there a lot, lot, a uh, large part of it were silent. So it was even a throwback to silent films. So I just, I, I thought it was really clever. It was, it's, it's sort of alluded to La La Land, like this dream of what Hollywood was and, and how it was personified through the, through the rest of the world as this amazing place, this beautiful place. And people went there, but in actuality, it's the desert. And it was cool because there were several times because, you know, I, I went into L.A. And the, the one thing when I was in L.A., I thought it was just incredibly dirty and grungy. And and, I, and she was walking around like very or they were walking around. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone were walking around very familiar locations where I was like, where is that? I don't, what? That looks nice. <laughs> I was like, what? Come on. That's Hollywood Boulevard. I was on Hollywood Boulevard, you know, but it was just, of course, the magic of um, the filming. It's just like one particular scene where she's stepping out of an apartment or something, and then there's like purple trash cans. It was just, and she's in a purple dress, and then they get into the car. You know, like it was, it it, it was that, especially when they were falling in love, it had that very Hollywood cinematic, silver screen feel, and then as as things were becoming real, all of that slowly faded. But then I loved how everything was like a movie in their mind where they would be in this crowded room and then all of a sudden um, the lights would dim and everybody would disappear and a spotlight would come on. Because I think that's how a lot of people live their life. You know, like you imagine yourself in a movie and if you were a fan of movies from the 50s and the 40s and the 60s, I mean, that's exactly how every single film was shot. And if you saw your life like that, I believed the imagery. I just thought it was really nice, especially that audition where she starts telling the story about her aunt who lived in Paris. And then all of a sudden everything goes black 
and everybody fades and then like the camera is circling around her and then it pans back out and then the lights come back on and and you know she finishes it and it's a musical number so anyway i i'm i could go on and on and on and on because i really really like the movie i just thought it was really um nostalgic i and i thought it it paid a beautiful homage to what hollywood used to be because, I mean, obviously now we're making movies like Mother. So, I mean, they <laughs> were in the 50s. But it was really, if you haven't checked checked it out, La La Land, and you are a fan of old movies or you're, you're a fan of Hollywood musicals, or if you're a fan of the great movie ride, I think you might really appreciate La La Land. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first time Michael and I have been so opposite on a movie. As you know, I hated La La Land. I thought it was stupid. Um, I agree. It was, listen, the cinematography was gorgeous. No one's arguing that. The scenes were beautiful. The, it, I mean, the music was good. The scene where she auditions and talks about her aunt and the very first scene where they're dancing on the highway, those are the only two scenes in the whole movie I love. If the movie was like those two scenes the whole time... I would own the DVD special edition Blu-ray box set because nobody likes musicals more than I do, especially old musicals. I love old musicals. They're my favorite, old movies in general, favorite thing to watch. Me and Turner Classic Movies, we're best friends. La La Land had no story. It had no story. What was the story, Michael? Those characters were exactly the same at the end of the movie as they were in the beginning. There was no arc. There was no progression. There was no learning of any great thing. There was nothing. There was no hero's journey at all. Yeah, well, but then I argue uh, on the town. On the town is about nothing. Aha! Oh, oh, no, please argue that. Let me tell you something. The old movies... And I'll even argue singing in the rain. And I'll argue Mary Poppins. Nothing happens in Mary Poppins. I, and I will, I will argue that. I will agree. Like, singing in the rain is the same way. There's no story. There's no real story. But do you know what they do have? Really talented performers. Really amazing singers and dancers who can carry a scene that's 15 minutes of, of, of Fred Astaire dancing. You know? I'm sorry, Ryan Gosling, you don't have it. You don't have that star quality to make me watch you for 15 minutes the way Fred Astaire does. I'm sorry, Emma Stone, you can't sing well enough like Julie Andrews to make me sit here and and listen for 10 minutes about feeding birds for tuppence. It's just, if you're gonna have no story, you have to have talented actors to carry the film. And I love Emma Stone. I think she's fantastic. She's not a musical theater person. Same with Ryan Gosling. He's very handsome, but he's not a musical theater person. And not only that, think of all the actors or the dancers or the singers who are so amazingly talented and who could have carried it, but they're not star power, so they didn't get the shot. So then I was stuck for two hours watching two mediocrely talented people pretend to be these Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, and I'm going, no, you're not. So that is my major problem with La La Land. There was no story, and their lack of story was not made up with talent. That's it. Okay, I can I can see that. I, I 
it didn't it didn't bother me. It didn't bother me as much as um, Anne Hathaway winning an Academy Award for Les Mis. I was so pissed off when I left that theater and people were clapping for Les Mis. That was terrible. I hated that one too. But I didn't think this this kind of musical was one of those musicals that lent itself to needing powerhouses. I I thought the dancing was um, it was passable. Like, was it great? No, but it but was only passable. What, was, what about it, American in Paris? Well, I I like I like the fact that it's you have two people who are nostalgic for something. He's nostalgic for jazz, and obviously he was not there, but he knows so much only what he read in books. And you had a this uh, this other character who was nostal- so nostalgic for the old Hollywood because she went to the library and watched all the movies with her aunt, you know. And so you have two people who don't know anything about this and that this is not the world we're in trying to do it and and doing it to the best of their ability. So that's why it, it was okay for me. It wasn't, they're, they're not the greats. And she even says that, you know. Then the story should have, the story had to have been stronger. That's the only reason Singing in the Rain is the classic that it is. The story of Singing in the Rain is stupid. There's really no story. It's like, oh, talking pictures, the end. What made it great was Debbie Reynolds. It, what made it great was the dances and the performances and the songs and the tapping. That's what makes it a classic. It's If, you, if you're not going to have the super strong performances, you have to have a super strong story. And it lacked both, which is why it fell flat for me. It had a really super strong director who is a little, he, he in fact, I think he's only 20-something. He, um, and he won the Academy Award. Well, you know what? Okay, it had a super strong cinematographer. It yeah. had a very good director of photography. The imagery was beautiful. It was really beautiful. And I thought it was very well shot. And the spirit was there. I thought the spirit was definitely there. Could it be better? Yeah, sure. Maybe. You know, but I for what it was, I actually really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the story. I love the ending. I hate the ending. It's a Casablanca ending. I know, but better at the same I'm time I'm better because I've known you. We're not we're not gonna be together, we're not gonna get together, but I am better because I've known you. And I love that um that whole montage where they see each other. And then they go back to the first time they met. And instead of him just like bumping past her, he kisses her. And then this whole bump, 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 you know, all that stuff starts. I was like, wow. And they go through their whole life at like, what if we were together? And then they smile and then she leaves. I really like it. It just struck a chord. It just struck a chord. Well, I mean, that's what movies are supposed to do. I just... For as much as I love... I went into that movie pre-loving it already, just because it was a musical. I loved it already. And then I sat there and I waited for a plot. And I was still waiting when the credits were rolling. I mean, that's fair, too. that's, um, That's valid. I don't know. I don't know what the right right answer is. I think that's why, you know, there's uh, uh, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has one. <laughs> okay, Michael. So, if you haven't seen La La Land, go check it out. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Michael's right. I highly doubt it, but you know. 
It could happen. You might agree with one of us. Who knows? You might think we're both stupid. But go check it out for yourself is the important part. Movies creating dialogue. Yes, well, and it's on streaming on HBO Go, um, and it's showing on HBO if you have it. All right, you guys, moving on. Let's talk about meeting your heroes and how that can be sometimes really cool and sometimes really disappointing. I had the opportunity to meet Meryl Streep. And, I mean, as you know, um, we talk about Meryl and Audrey McDonald almost every podcast. Those Pretty are two, much. Two of my favorite and people, stars, that I have the most respect for. And it was a little, it, Meryl Streep was a little disappointing. Now, why was she disappointing? Was just a, she was just a little cold, and she was very just um, curt. She was like, what do you want? This is what I want. Okay, come on, let's do it. You know, I can't tell you the context in which I met her, but um, I did get to I did get to meet Meryl Streep and and see her interact with others, and I was I was very disappointed. Yeah, well, I kind of had a similar thing. So I'm a science geek, and I worshipped at the altar of Jane Goodall, and I went to Atlanta to hear her give a, a speech and afterwards she was signing books and you know meeting people I waited in a line for like two hours and if you know me I don't wait for things I don't I don't do that so the fact that I waited for two hours to see this woman was a miracle in itself and I get there and she just kind of grabs my book and signs it and kind of tosses it and I was like, can I get a hug? And she just look, and she doesn't even look up. She goes, I'll give you a hug when I'm done signing your book. And I was like, oh, bitch. Okay, okay. Um, you might have been awesome, but you're not God. You just took some pictures of some monkeys. All right? That's all you did. Let's not pretend like you cured cancer or something. You went and you studied chimpanzees, and that's all you did. All right, thanks. Give me my book. So she kind of is no longer my hero because of that moment. Yeah. I mean, you don't lose your respect for them and, and what they've accomplished. But it's just at the same time, you're just like, wow, that, I wasn't expecting that. You know, and that's the way I felt with um, about, about Meryl Streep. You know, like, you're kind of watching her interact with other people, I was just like, wow. But then, I mean, you you don't know. You, you want to forgive and say, well, you know, you, the... You know what kind of day she's having, or this, or that, or that, this. But it's just like somebody who so many people respect and look up to to treat someone who is excited about serving you, so excited to the point where they they almost started crying in the kitchen, and then to watch that server go up to their idol and just completely be disrespected is um it's kind of sad you know within the greeting saying hi my name is and then just cut them off and say you know i want coffee just give me coffee it's like oh man that sucks yeah i mean i understand stars are humans they don't want people all on them all the time but at the same time how much money does she make on an average movie like, what kind of value is she really bringing to the world that she should make millions of dollars when doctors make 150 to 200,000? Like, like, the value quotient is, is heavily skewed. And part of that paycheck is 
hey, guess what? You're now America's darling. And I just feel like if someone spends that much time waiting to see you, or if they are so excited to meet you, you can take five seconds to be a decent human being. Or just to be nice. Does no, I mean, mean, that's what I'm saying. Decent human being. Just be I also, I also got to meet Diana Ross, and Diana Ross was the nicest person. I One, one person, um, I was there when uh, another person walked up to her and asked her if her hair was real, and she grabbed that woman's hand and ran it through her hair. She was like, is that real enough for you? <laughs> that's awesome. I love Diana like, Ross. Yeah, she was just just really nice, really pleasant. Diana Ross was really, really pleasant. And so was Deborah Messing. Deborah Messing was really pleasant, too. I love Deborah Messing. Yes, well, Michael has a crush on Deborah Messing. And, so, um... She's beautiful in person. Uh-huh. Beautiful. And he couldn't stop staring at her, so... Accident. <laughs> there was an accident, and she looked up, and it was like that moment where you can't look away because clearly she saw me looking at her. And so I... Just kept looking, and she was like, "Hi, <laughs> like, how are you?" I, I was like, "I hope everything is fantastic." She's like, "No, everything's great. Everything's great." I was like, "Okay, cool. If you need anything, just let me know." And I walked away. <laughs> I was like, "Oh man," but she was really pleasant. She kind of giggled to herself when I was walking away. So, yeah, Michael has a bit of a crush. Yeah, just a little bit. But I mean, and I've had a good experience. So, um. I'm also a Disney nerd. You guys probably have no idea who Joe Rohde is. Joe Rohde invented... He's the reason behind Animal Kingdom. That's his park. That's his brainchild. He did everything behind it. He's like the lead Imagineer. He, when, every time you see a Disney Imagineer, it's probably him. He's the one with like the 500 earrings stretching out his right earlobe or his left earlobe. Um, that's him. You've probably seen him. If you saw a picture, you'd be like, oh, that's him. So, this was years ago, we were at Animal Kingdom, and I happened to turn around and see him, and I'm just like, oh my god, that's Joe Rohde. <laughs> and eventually I did, he, he caught me staring at him, and I kind of waved, and he smiled and waved back, and I did go up to him and talk to him a little bit, and I got a picture with him. And he was really nicest, nicest guy ever. I remember that. You were like, can I get a picture? And he's like, yeah, of course. I think he was shocked I knew who he was. But well, and of course, as soon as we took the picture and we were talking to him, then, then everybody recognized him. They didn't even recognize him. They just went, oh, he looks important because she knows who he is. So, yeah. But, see, that was a that was an amazing experience, meeting Joe Rohde. So it can go well. It can go, it can go not well. The thing, I think, thing to remember is people are people, you know? And, it, and it's cool... You know, you can have respect and admire someone, but at the end of the day, you know, Meryl Streep is a 68-year-old woman, <laughs> and she's like a 68-year-old woman without the makeup and the lights and all that stuff, and she's an amazing actress, and nothing, nothing she, you know, you, you can, she can say or do will ever take that away, which is really interesting. There was, that was, um, that was a podcast topic we had when we were talking about Woody Allen, could, is it? Could a celebrity who is have contributed amazing work and have done amazing things, does their talent and their fame, achievements does that get negated because of something they do in their personal life? 
you know, like, and that, and that's a question, and you know, like, age old question. I mean, I don't know what the right answer is. I know people love to tar and feather. So as soon as you know, oh, so and so comes up with a sex tape, and they're supposed to be. Well, now that's kind of glorified. Maybe it's not sex tape. Yeah, was... sex tapes are like the next step of fame, thanks to Kim Kardashian. Yeah, I was about to say, like the '90s, it was like all of a sudden, you know, you, you do, you have an affair, and now you're a horrible person, like Bill Clinton. You know, like that—that's a huge scandal. He was a, he was a decent president. He was a great president, but then that whole Monica Lewinsky thing came out and. That negated every, all of the good he did, you know. And, and should that happen? Well, I don't think it negates your achievements, but like for instance, in the case of Jane Goodall, Jane Goodall is still uh, a national. I mean, she's still amazing. She's still Jane freaking Goodall. But at the same time, I don't admire her the way I did before. I can't. Not after the way she acted. It's like okay. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing with Meryl Streep. I mean, like, I'll never... I, I still think she's an amazing actress, and she's still considered America's best actress. I mean, living actress. She is amazing, and her body of work proves that. So if, if she is, you know, just a bitch in real life, then, I mean, she's an amazing actress. You know, like, there are plenty of assholes in this world who are, who are famous, but... You know, it's funny when I tell this story to people, people are not surprised. They're kind of like, oh, I can see that. I can see how she could be kind of cold. I said, well, true story. So, I love that story about Diana Ross, though. That's a great story. Yeah, no, Diana Ross is really, really, really nice person. And does, boy, does she fill up a room when she walks in. You you know she's there. She um, She's a presence. Well, of course. I was like, wow. So, yeah, you guys. I guess that kind of wraps things up for this podcast. Nineteen. It's a short one. Yeah, a bit shorter than than usual than our other ones, but I mean, we've got a lot going on. Um, we're having production meetings for our filming in November. Excited. And uh, getting ready for that. And um, yours truly just turned thirty. Thirty. Third floor. Ugh. Good lord. So, yeah, lots going on. I know, life happens, and it happens whether you want it to or not. So. <sighs> yes, Michael. Well, thank you for those wonderful words of wisdom. 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 Always. All right, guys, we won't keep you. Remember, it isn't easy, but it's a whole lot of fun going after our dreams. See you next time. Bye.